Welcome to H2 Tech Talk, the web's most sustainable podcast and your premier destination for expert insights into the global hydrogen sector. Dive into our informative series as we explore the latest advancements, news, and trends in the realm of sustainable energy. H2 Tech is a leading source of up-to-date, compelling discussions around hydrogen technology. Don't forget to subscribe and share to stay connected with the world of hydrogen innovation and sustainable solutions. Now, here's this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to another episode. We are live here again at the Global Syngas Conference. I have here with me Grant Grothen. I hope I pronounced your name correctly. Um, Principal in the Energy Group for Burns and McDonald. How are you doing today? Uh, doing great. Happy to be here. All right. I'm glad to have you. I'm glad to have you. So how do you feel about the conference? How's it been for you this year? Yeah, this is probably one of the more technical conferences uh, that, that we attend every year. Um, you get a lot of the the, you know, the true expertise and, and uh, uh, the people who attend are, are uh, highly engaged in this. And uh, interesting enough, many of them have been for, you know, 20 plus years in a market that's kind of surged uh, you know, as, as far as how it's been deployed. So it, it's, it's, uh, I, I started coming to these in, uh, 2000, uh, about 2004. And, uh, we had a big, uh, big boom in the market back then. And, and that kind of died off. So, uh, waited a little while, but, uh, this whole hydrogen ammonia and all the, all the new tech, uh, were, were, were back engaged again. So how was uh, Burns involved with the hydrogen ammonia? How was that? Yeah, so so we're about a uh, we're about an, um, eight eight billion dollar EPC uh, engineering firm, uh, engineering procurement construct uh, in main cases. You know we have uh, a, a very large number of clients both in the in the power generation side, but then also in the process oil gas chemical type side. Uh, that that we serve, and uh, so as the clients made the transition, we 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 make it with them, and uh, so we're here the we're here to support their decarbonization efforts, you know, whatever those may be, and what their goals are. So, um, pretty exciting time in the industry. Hmm. So uh, I mean, yours is a an assist role to help other companies with the energy transition, basically. Yes, that's correct. Yep. Okay, so to that, uh, your presentation was um, a, an update on the decarbonization mm -hmm. journey, basically. Um, do you care to, for those who couldn't make it, of course, elaborate? Yeah, so, I mean, you know, it, it's very interesting. So, the, you know, we actually have some legislation now that's been driving this market, uh, which is the Infrastructure Bill and then the Inflation Reduction Act, IRA. And uh, so, if if you look at it, really, the... The IGIP bill uh, was really the jump start for it all. And then you had the IRA, which is the economic engine uh, that basically provides the, the cash flow for these projects to be successful. Uh, it was very interesting as the politics played out on it. You know, we ended up with the, the DOE money allocation before we ended up with the economic engine. And uh, I think we have Senator Manchin to probably uh, thank for uh, getting that over the finish line and, and uh, um, provides a lot of uh, very interesting incentives uh, for, for promoting the, um, you know, the hydrogen side of things, uh, specifically as it relates to this conference. You spoke of the IGA bill. Um, do you have cliff notes on, on, on that exactly? Yeah. So, so um, you know, it, it's, it's DOE uh, distributed money. Um, Probably the biggest uh, program that people are paying attention to right now is the hydrogen hubs. 
that was supposed to be announced maybe a little while ago, but uh, hopefully imminent here now. And uh, it'll be interesting because you know those hubs were developed. Uh, we were involved in we were involved with several of the hubs, and you know uh, there was you know everyone was raising their hands saying, "Hey, I got the I got this billion five project or a four hundred million dollar project or a three hundred million dollar project." But what was kind of interesting is is that some of those projects were not very mature, and so it'll be interesting as the DOE makes their awards. Um, they're they're gonna they're gonna probably find out that not everything was necessarily a viable project even with a even with a cost share. Um, DOE is in in their in their uh, their cost share process is willing to go up to fifty percent. Um, interesting enough, most of those projects were actually submitted thinking that it would be a smaller percentage, and so that's going to be tough to get a lot of those projects over the finish line. So what's really going to happen in the on the IJ bill is is we're probably going to have several rounds of this over the next uh, seven eight years, and so uh, not all the money will flow out the way I think they're anticipating necessarily, but some of it will, and and uh, it's it'll push some projects forward, um, you know, and and then the the correlation of that on the, the IRA bill, um, you know, one of the things that's a little bit, little bit uh, challenging on the IRA bill is that, you know, we, we went ahead and we locked in, um, you know, as an example for, for perfectly green hydrogen, you know, $3 per kilogram. Well, that got locked in. There's an inflation adjustment, but that doesn't start until 2026. So literally, I think a lot of People, when they looked at the economics when the bill first came out, they're all like, man, I, I got this. This is going to work great. Well, now everything's 40% more expensive. Labor's continuing to go up. And then you have, you know, it, you know, it, it's going to be a challenge getting a lot of these over the finish line. And so it may take some additional incentives or, you know, something similar to like what the uh, California Low Carbon Fuel Standard you know, some of those type programs may actually emerge and, and help more of those projects uh, move over the finish line. And so you think um, IRA, uh, it's not necessarily going to progress the industry as much as, as they believe. Well, um, you, you know, on the on the renewable energy side, uh, you know, the wind, solar, battery side, uh, definitely uh, is going to be a huge, 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 huge impact there. And we're, we're seeing that uh, in, in the market. Uh, we do a lot of solar construction and uh, it's, you know, the... You know, we could, we could take on 50 times the amount of work that we have if we if we so chose, um, just because it's it's out there. Uh, we just and the part part of the issue is just staffing. And uh, um, so, um, but on, on the hydrogen side, I think we're going to have some um, the, the, be some applications. Everyone was really high and mighty on the uh, green electrolysis type hydrogen. Uh, people were really convinced that that was really going to be the path. Um, one of the things I think we've learned through uh, you know over the past year is that you know in many cases the you know it's the cost of the renewables driving that electrolyzer that uh, either makes it economic or not and you know i mean the wind industry is taking a epic beating uh, the solar industry and you know transformers at uh, over two-year lead times and switch gear issue, you know switch gears going up in price labor going way up in price um you know it, it's going to be you know it's going to be a challenge um, getting through all those, but uh, there's going to be a, there's going to be a significant uh, movement forward. But but on the on the green hydrogen side, I think I think um, if I had to place my bets today, I would I would place it more on the blue mm-hmm. or the um, you know SMR ATR with uh, carbon capture. Um, I, I really didn't know that that would necessarily be a viable option, 
just because of the class six permitting issue and getting past that um, it, that is probably the biggest success story success story uh, within EPA and others is actually getting those class six programs established and allowing allowing North Dakota and Wyoming to take primacy uh, and then Louisiana is uh, shortly uh, before the end of the year hmm. um, and so that that's pretty exciting that we actually have permittable sites and those processes are moving forward and it, it really is an enabler for the blue. Um, probably the biggest concern I think most people have is that, you know, the environmental groups, uh, you know, Bloomberg's money and stuff chasing all this. Well, uh, you know, they're, 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 they're trying to stand in the way of the pipelines. And so the, this pipeline opposition in Iowa was something that no one saw coming. Um, and it was, it was massive and it was brutal. And so hopefully that doesn't go repeat itself uh, too many other places, but you know, then, then there's other projects. This is like the, you know, you know the trailblazer pipeline, um, uh, uh, yeah, tall grass energies trailblazer where they're actually repurposing a natural gas pipeline and so those type projects where you're using existing assets are definitely going to have a have a easier time you know being being some of the first deploy um locations and and, and projects i mean so you mentioned i mean blue is going to be you know the sweet spot um moving forward uh i mean do you think that ever changes is there ever a point where you know maybe the green starts to overturn it, you know, here, here's here's one of the issues I, I guess I've seen, and, and we even had a paper this morning that that was showing some of it. And you know, okay, this this continual cost decline of solar and wind and batteries that everyone's like, okay, great, we'll just match match what that is in the future, and and we'll just keep keep declining. Well, the problem was is that you know when when we first started building solar plants, panels were you know you know sixty seventy percent of the cost of the project. Now they're twenty. And so, you know, it, it's the other stuff that's really driving the, the project costs. So going all the way from, you know, labor, 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 the install site prep, land is going up, um, you know, interconnection costs um, are, are astronomical uh, because once again, every time you add those megawatts to the grid, now you're going back and, and uh, assisting with the, uh, the, the system upgrade charges. Uh, that's true in most areas of the country. And so those costs are not going down. They're probably going up. And so you can really look at, when you, when you look at the cost decline curves, yeah, I think, I think uh, we will continue to have some of the big cost declines in, in solar and wind and battery. But, but um, you know, th those, those curves kind of bottom out um, a little, little higher than what people would give them credit for if they just continued on that trajectory. And so really you, 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 you can look at the portion of the overall project that is those type components and probably make a lot more representative uh, cost curves. Wow. Well, fair enough. Uh, so do you think this is a part of the reason? Because you, you mentioned in your presentation that there have been several projects announced, hundreds, I believe you even said, <laughs> um, but very few, would you say two, have reached uh, front-end engineering and design? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, th there's, there's, uh, there, there's probably a hundred several hundred projects right now in the middle of feed studies and pre-feeds and feed studies. Uh, what was really interesting, you know, we had, uh, we had, um, you know, air project air products with their Neom project took a very aggressive stance and, and, uh, they were absolutely determined to be a first mover. And so there was, a, I think a lot of copycats, you know, saw that, that, well, Hey, that's great. Well, you're not necessarily a, a company with a $65 billion market cap, so they can be bold where a lot of other companies couldn't. And so a lot of announcements happened, I think, before people ever really knew what the economics 
uh, were on the projects. And I think there's a lot of realizations right now on the green electrolyzer side of, of maybe where the economics are falling out more so. Mm. Some of us has jumped, have jumped the gun. Yeah, yeah, a little. I mean, we're, we're going to find we're going to find plenty of locations where, you know, maybe maybe we have uh, wind that's currently transmission constrained, that's being curtailed. Well, okay, that's a great place because it's pretty much free power. Um, you know, nuclear power plants. I, I used to work at one, and you know, you don't you don't push and pull rods. You you stay at 100% power no matter what happens. And so when when you get negative power prices, you know, they're going into a negative price condition. Well, that's uh, you could actually make money by using an electrolyzer to take additional power, and so uh, you know, and, and, and avoid paying the negative power prices. So, so I think there's a lot of applications like those. Once again, more niche type applications um, that that'll probably drive some of that market forward and uh, allow people to to capture the IRA bills. But again, the going out and finding large scale renewables and coupling electrolyzers to it. Um, that that might be a might be a little challenged. So, do you think there's maybe a little bit too much interest in just the green and blue, and not thinking outside the box like a nuclear, which I guess would be what pink or red? Some yeah, people yeah. call it differently, or turquoise, or all the colors. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to justify building a new SMR reactor just to hook it into hydrogen production. You know, it, it it's really you know really the opportunity is a when you have a when you have you know, market conditions to be able to take advantage of it, then, you know, you'll, you'll be there for that. So, and, and what's kind of interesting too, you know, there's, you know, if you look at what was announced out there and what people are charging forward on, I mean, it's a massive amount of capacity. And so we started out, you know, with the, the, the first people that really made big press on the, uh, hey, we're going to take all the hydrogen you can possibly give us, was really the uh, gas turbine OEMs. So, um, you know, MHI, Siemens, GE, um, hey, guys, you know, we can do 100% hydrogen on these gas turbines. And so everyone got excited. Those volumes were so massive. Everyone got all, all excited over the production side. Hey, this, is, this will be this de- massive demand we're going to have here. Um, I think it, it fast forward, you know, uh, a year from when, when some of that first started, um, you know, the, um, you know, I, I think there's now a pretty firm realization in the market that those are some of the last applications that are probably going to adopt as opposed to the first applications. And so, you know, mobility, I think, is uh, is definitely a first adopter um, and ammonia. Uh, ammonia production so you know hydrogen to ammonia i think is going to be uh, or clean hydrogen to ammonia is going to be a, a very major market uh, specifically you know there's there's uh, um, you know in, in the export market so you know japan uh, korea uh, singapore uh, they're all highly highly bankable looking and we're hearing discussions of long-term contracts which is pretty amazing, and uh, that would make those projects extremely bankable if they can make the economics work here. Um, you know, for for producing hydrogen for those for export markets uh, over there, uh, Europe is talking about doing some import. Um, you know, they were originally wanting to restrict only to cr- purely electrolyzer produced hydrogen, not with non-grid connected electrolyzer hydrogen. Uh, they've kind of they've they've kind of softened on that stance, uh, but. But you know that I think I think uh, if I'm not mistaken, through 2026, you can still supply blue, but then it really needs to be green after that. Well, that all sounds cool and flexible and exciting, but it doesn't necessarily create a bankable offtake, and that's what that's what our finance community is going to be looking for is bankable offtake. And um, you know, the, like I say, the Southeast Asian market is 
pure bankable offtake. So um, it'll be it'll be kind of exciting watching that evolve and develop. Um, and, and and you know the you know Japan, Korea, and Singapore as an example. I mean you know they they are t- they take those climate commitments that they've made very seriously, and they actually develop a plan to actually reach those. And so really the variability of of what they need to accomplish over there is really almost more based on the number of nuke plants they turn back on or not. And, and, and so that, that's some of the variability, but uh, there's, a, there's a strong commitment that uh, we're going to do it, and this is the strategy we're going to do it. And while, while ma- many times it wouldn't make sense directly combusting you know, hydrogen in a, or you know, ammonia in a, in a boiler in the United States, um, you got to remember, too, that they're dealing with LNG and much, much, much higher fuel costs. Uh, than we ever uh, we ever experience, and so the differential for them and the the up market charge is is you know as a percentage is not is not outrageous like it would be here in the U.S. if we tried the same strategy. Fair enough. Okay, so let's switch gears a little bit. Um, what are you seeing um, as far as uh, SAF projects? I'm probably not the best expert on the SAF projects, but uh, we, we definitely participate a lot as Burns McDonald uh, in, in those development efforts and stuff. But um, I think, I, I think the, they're very expensive. And uh, we all know they're very expensive. And, and uh, you know, in, in those cases there, I think it's going to take some additional market drivers to actually make that demand justify the, uh, the the expenditures uh, required to uh, to make it um, you know the the um, yeah I, I think the most viable SAF projects are all the, the you know the, it's the blue hydrogen type projects and mm-hmm. stuff and so uh, we've also looked at uh, integrating uh, small modular nuclear in with the SAF projects too and so that's been kind of a, kind of a fun fun exercise but again extremely expensive um, production strategy but you know, there's there's ways of ways of uh, um, you know with, with with the proper incentives, I see that market going forward significantly. So, what about like um, you know ethanolajet or, or methanolajet? How do you feel about that? If you know, I don't, you don't have to answer. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, so, you know the ethanolajet and stuff. I mean, you know, it, it really goes back into you know we have this huge debate right now. Um, you know, with with the IRA, the IRA identified uh, Argon National Laboratories, Michael Wang's GREET model, as being kind of the the standard. But now maybe that's uh, that's changed a little, maybe, and or or indications that may change, or additional models accepted, etc. So, um, you know, determining what the life cycle anal- life cycle assessment for the for the carbon is for those different technologies. Um, some of that, you know, it, it, when they give the incentives. Um, and, and, and we have um, uh, market mechanisms in the IRA bill as an example. Well, okay, so you, know, you, you have to come up with a methodology for what that life cycle analysis looks like and it has to be consistent. And right now we may not have as much consistency or of how we're looking at that. And so you know, a lot of people, as an example, ethanol to jet, well, okay, if it's corn ethanol, um, is it sustainable or not? So. Um, our, our family's been part of the part of the ethanol industry for past, uh, I guess, since I was in high school. So, um, you know, and, and so just kind of watching that, and yeah, I understand that wasn't, you know, a, a decarbonization strategy back then. It was more about uh, about uh, replacing, you know, cr- uh, replacing oil production that was declining in the U.S. So, um, at the time, but. Um, yeah, I, I, I think there's, I think the ethanol, to, ethanol, the jet stuff, I think has some viability, but a lot of it's going to be based on how 
uh, you know, the the life cycle analysis or life cycle assessments, uh, um, you know, determined. Uh, the the California LCRFS, uh, you know, created, um, you know, created some of that type framework, but I think we're going to see a larger national framework, something similar to that someday. All right. So you said something about um, the hazards hazards of CO2. Besides from the the obvious, what what did you mean by that? Well, yeah, you know, it's just you know it, it's a new risk on a on a on a plant facility. So um, if you're going to have an you know an SMR and you're now incorporating carbon capture, uh, people just have to be aware of the aware of the risks. Uh, you know, it's an odorless gas. It's not something that's uh, odorized. That you can uh, easily detect, um, and it, it's heavier than air. So. Um, it's going to go to low-lying areas and, and sumps and pits and, you know, places that people just need to be be aware of uh, on the job sites that, you know, there can be risk of asphyxiation and get high enough concentrations. And so that's just, it's just a new, new, new hazard on the site that people have to incorporate into their planning and thought processes. So if they're storing it, I mean, what are the risks there? You know, a, a release. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really, it's really release or... You know, as as an example, you know, um, you know the CO two pipelines. Uh, you know, we've heard plenty of discussions about leaks on the pipelines, and and you know, it's not no one's really getting too excited over it if it's out in the open. But you know, you put that in a confined space, and okay, well, that that those type of things could become issues. Um, also, you know, there there's you know, obviously the EPA is trying to make sure we don't have leaks. And so, you know, they, they're always now trying to make sure everything that goes down the hole that they're paying for, um, that, had to, that had to make it all the way through transport. So right now in the, in the bill, uh, IRA bill, they, they pay the people to capture the carbon. That's the people that get the incentive. But then the, um, you know, the, it still has to make sure it gets down the well. Well, then that's, that's going to really probably drive a lot, of, a lot of companies to really start paying attention to the leakage issues and stuff along the lines. So, um, yeah, it, it's just, it's a, it's, a new, new, it's a new hazard somewhat, or it's, a, it's an existing hazard that's, uh, you know, the Gulf Coast had that maybe now we're going to start be looking at, uh, you know, so the North Dakota, Wyoming sequestration, you know, people feeding that are going to have to start paying attention to that too. A bigger issue, but uh, so it's been an issue, um, which is yes, no secret, but no, it's no, going to become not. yeah. But 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 it's 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 just a new hazard in in facilities that d- didn't necessarily have that hazard before. So, all right, Grant. Well, uh, that that's about all I had for you today. Um, is there any closing thoughts that you'd like to give before we wrap up? No, you know, I think I think this is going to be a long journey. So, uh, we're going to have uh, starts and stops, and and. Uh, um, I, I, there's definitely enough commitment here in the in the country today, in the world today, to to move forward on the decarbonization strategies. Um, you know, you you it, it, it's going to take some time though, and uh, it's not going to happen at the the speed people are are hoping for, and uh, people are still in the mode of wanting to accelerate. You know, and uh, that's that sounds great. That's all cool, but you actually have to get it built and do it and finance it and. You know, if, 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 unless we can have strong signals to the finance community that, hey, these projects are de-risked, um, that's going to be, uh, that's, that's going to be important. Uh, you know, one of the city bank, or, uh, city executives, uh, city corp executives was saying, hey, this is the most complex, you know, uh, complex tax credit in the history of the U.S. And so, okay, that, that's going to cause people, as an example, to take pause or wait to see it kind of work out slower. 
And so I think that that'll probably delay some investment, but it'll eventually happen. So it's just going to take some time. Oh, we just need to be a little patient. <laughs> probably very patient. Very patient. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again for joining me um, to talk for a bit. I appreciate you. Please feel free to join us again any other time. Okay. Thank you. It was fun. Yeah. And thank you to the listeners for tuning into another episode. Please remember to share and subscribe. Thanks for listening to this week's show. Don't forget to subscribe and share to stay connected with the world of hydrogen innovation and sustainable solutions. Email your comments, questions, and suggestions to tyler.campbell at gulfenergyinfo.com.